0: This is Geek Gab with your host, John and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Saturday, October 27th, 2018. A mere four days before Halloween. We have on the show today, in addition to my usual fellow host, we have on the show today. Uh, an author whom I will introduce in but a moment. But before I do, uh, Dornall, how was your week?
1: Hey, Daddy Warpig. It's it's been a regular week for me. Work, a little exercise, a lot of gaming. You know how it is. I can't wait to I can't wait to talk to a super smart inventor and author today, uh, because I've been playing so much terraforming Mars. I want to know how that works. Could that work in real life? Because it doesn't seem like it could.
0: Do you want to do the introduction?
1: I can do an introduction. Hans Schantz, author, Brave and the Bold, been with us before. Welcome back to the show, Mr. Schantz.
2: Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you inviting me on again. I must not have scared you off the first time.
1: Hey if if he doesn't get rid of me everybody else is welcome.
0: <laughs> I am so exhausted today that I'm not even going to dignify that with a response. I can guarantee you in 2 or 3 weeks I'll have a witty comeback but today is not working for me. So, so you just have to schedule your insults for later.
1: You you mentioned you mentioned Halloween uh, dw i not uh, i'm not a big halloween guy do you have any plans for the semi holiday
0: um i don't have any plans for halloween like none um i was hoping to watch some horror movies but but things have been very very just way 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 too busy to hit any any horror movies not that there's any good ones coming out we saw halloween last week obviously we talked about it and the next horror movie that's coming out that was even interesting isn't coming out until November 9th. I mean, what the hell is up with that? Um, Very strange. J.J. Uh, Abrams Overlord is what I'm talking about. Not coming out till November 9th, and we may not even review it on the show. Or if we do, we might not do a big review of it because uh, next week on the 3rd, we've got Yakov Merkin coming on the show, uh, our favorite... Uh, Active duty Israeli Defense Force special uh, fiction, uh, speculative fiction author, coming on the show next week, and then the week after that we have a uh, a special guest, someone who, uh, at least tentatively scheduled, of course, who worked on the multiplayer for Halo.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So a uh, huge piece of video game history coming on on the 10th, so we may not actually review Overlord. Um, and uh, But why why would you release a Halloween movie almost two weeks after Halloween?
1: Well, makes, I don't get that. Uh, monster movies are timeless and belong at every time of the year. Didn't you know that? Well, that's true. They did release the two
0: of the Halloween movies, and I only know this because I watched Red Letter Media's review... Last week, two of the Halloween movies they actually released in June. So, obviously I don't have the intelligence or training of a major Hollywood executive, but I would have thought that if you're releasing a movie called Halloween, you would want to do that sometime near the actual holiday and not near you know, I don't know, Labor Day or whatever whatever other holidays are in June.
1: Hey, I know a a guy up here. I occasionally play Gloomhaven with him. He hosts another podcast called The Bone Bat Show. They do a monster movie, a horror movie film festival in April. I don't know why they do it in April, but I'm going to check that out next year. Okay, in June we've got
0: Statehood Day, Jefferson Davis's birthday. He was the president of the Confederacy, so obviously, obviously that's what they're aiming Halloween at. The big audience who is yeah. looking for something fun to do for Jefferson Davis's birthday, right. um, D Day, anniversary of D Day, Belmont Stakes, Flag Day, Father's Day it's
1: a uh, perfect month to release a bunch of patriotic uh, war films
0: something called American Eagle Day that I've never even heard of this uh it's not a public holiday well, that's good so I'm looking mm-hmm. on a website here yeah uh, apparently they have a really the really, <laughs> really obscure like every single obscure holiday you can uh think of uh That's June for you. I I was correct in thinking there was nothing major. I mean, heck, it would be better to release Overlord in June because D-Day happened in June, June 6th. Would have been a better release time for Overlord because Operation Overlord was the invasion of Normandy. It was D-Day. Uh, And this is a story about a bunch of about a uh, racially and sexually diverse group of allied soldiers behind the lines of D-Day who stumble upon a Nazi plot to create uh, zombies of some form or another. And in order to save the life of one of their own people, they eject them with the zombie juice, and uh, I'm guessing things don't go well thereafter. So
1: you know, I'm going to go ahead and and put this out there just for everybody listening let's not release that on the anniversary of d day
0: you don't think so you think that would be like irreverent or, or
1: disrespectful i i i think maybe those are the words that came to mind so you, you let's think? i mean let's let's be respectful of halloween then you think it would, it would, uh, it would
0: destroy the feeling and mood of the D Day Halloween season or D Day holiday season? Okay, that's a respectable position, uh, at least. Um, We didn't hit the news last week because we wanted to skip over that and got directly into reviewing the movie. So we've got a a few pieces of news here. The new season of uh, speaking of D Day and invading Nazis. Uh, Watch this. Hey, check this out. Check this. Check this out, okay? I have worked fully half a second on this smooth transition. Speaking of D-Day and invading Nazis, there's a new season of Man in the High Castle out on Amazon. They made another one? A third season, yeah. It just Um, came out a couple weeks ago.
1: Have you seen these?
0: I haven't seen the new season because, as I mentioned previously, I am way busy right now, and I hope to schedule it in the next couple of weeks. But that may that may not happen.
1: Well, I, I watched I watched the first season and dropped out of the second. Hans, Hans, did you see any of them? No, I have not seen it. Okay, well, let me save you a click. <clears throat> uh, <laughs> the the writing isn't up to Philip K Dick's standards only one of the characters is interesting and worth watching and spoiler alert it's the nazi <laughs>
0: that's that's true the the nazi himself the nazi captain he's an
1: american right an american a, an american who is who is an officer in the uh nazi government or in the nazi military in america
0: he uh uh Absolutely fabulous performance, absolutely just a character. He makes the show. All the other people you're supposed to care about, you just don't. Uh, so, uh, but I hope to see that. Um, speaking of third seasons of shows on streaming news sites, wow, that transition! I should get an Emmy for these or whatever they give out for a. Uh, YouTube podcasts. Daredevil season three came out last week and is getting good reviews from most people, despite the political stuff they threw in for no good reason.
1: Oh, have you, uh, I'll I'll have to catch up with the razor fist review on that. I, I, I stopped watching daredevil after the hallway fight scene. Um,
0: I haven't seen daredevil season three again because I've been busy and I'm hoping to get that scheduled in the next few weeks. Um, I'm currently in the middle of watching something that's a marathon watching of, of something for a review, eventual review, um, and so I haven't been able to watch that either. It's 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 disheartening um, and, and it's kind of amusing that Daredevil 3 is getting such good reviews and here's a transition to another piece of news I had when Luke Cage and Iron Fist were both canceled. For a good reason. I'm shocked. I'm shocked. I'm on four hours of the sleep and I am knocking these transitions. And we're just, we're, and just, we're just letting
1: you go, man. We're just letting you go. <laughs> um what, what else do you have in your news in, in your in the newsreel? I did want to say this real quick, uh, about Luke
0: Cage and Iron Fist. I watched the first season of both of them. I watched everything leading up to Defenders. Um And then I watched the second season of Jessica Jones. And then I watched the Punisher and the shows are not getting any better. I have not seen the second season of Luke Cage or Iron Fist. Uh, Apparently they're just as bad as the first seasons. That's the reviews I've I've heard from several people. And I just, I wasn't interested. It's not like I was, you know, I just, I wasn't interested in spending another 13 hours uh, each, 26 hours in total watching that. And uh, so that's not seems like that's not an uncommon opinion because Netflix is canceling them um, and I'm I'm just as happy with that um, all right I mean unless somebody's gonna come out with a huge case as to why uh, Iron Fist uh, season two and Luke Cage season must see television they're they're gone then and, and I'm just waiting for the shoot to drop up on Jessica Jones, and then eventually Daredevil is inevitable at this point, it seems to
1: me. Um, That's a shame. But, it it's, but it's, it's just television. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, in a way it's better than what we used to get back when we had to sit in front of the TV and watch commercials. And in another way, um, it's a lot worse because the good quality shows are uh, just as hard to find. Yeah, yeah Netflix um, puts out a lot of trash. Uh, and and honestly, all the we're we're going to hit market saturation really soon. All these different companies are starting their own services. You know, CBS wants to host their own stuff. Disney wants to host their own channel and everything like that. It's going to be uh, back in the days of cable television. I remember everybody would say stuff like, "Well, gosh, if if they just let me buy channels a la carte, I would like it." But I I don't want to pay for this big cable package with a million channels, right?
0: We've had the Disney services warming up. Uh, CBS has been running since the introduction of uh, Star Trek Discovery, STD. Brilliant name, brilliant name, which is terrible. I watched the first half season of that awful, awful show. Um, and then DC Universe just launched with its own uh, original show. And um, it's just too much money, too much pain in the be- too much pain in the rear um, to try and get all of that. Uh, I mean, I got Prime Video because I subscribe to Amazon Prime because I get enough stuff from Amazon to make it worthwhile to save on shipping, uh, and I get a bunch of free videos with that, and that's barely worth checking out most of the time. And they've actually got some really good shows on there. They've got. Uh, all the Batman, the animated series shows—they stole that from Netflix. They've got all the seasons of The Expanse, and plus a bunch of original shows. Which, while not being you know shaking the market, uh, there there's a lot fewer of them, but apparently a lot better than Netflix's stuff. They're a lot better reviewed. So you know, this, I,
1: the uh, I, I hear you. Uh, unfortunately, the the more stuff to watch. Turns into trash. I think we're gonna have less to talk about on the on the geek gab. Wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't <laughs> less that be- trash. Okay. Um, well, we have.
0: Uh, um, let's I talk think- about the
1: book. I, I was gonna say it doesn't sound like our guest likes TV. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I
2: I was going to butt in that uh, I really appreciate Amazon Prime's. Uh, classic sci-fi series they have Babylon 5 up uh, for free viewings I've been going back and looking at some of those episodes and I see they also have Stargate Atlantis which had a few memorable episodes so uh, I really actually prefer Amazon Prime to Netflix these days for my movie watching
1: well I, I think I just picked up a trial of Amazon Prime I'm gonna you know what I'm next week is lost Catch up on Babylon Five. You know what? I have seen all of Babylon Five. Seen the
0: original series, and then the two or three uh, movies they released after the series ended. Um, And I have uh, also—it's—it's a good show. It's a really enjoyable show. Uh, It's five seasons. It's worth watching if you haven't seen it. It's good science fiction television. I haven't seen. Uh, any Stargate beyond one episode. And it's not because I hate it or I'm avoiding it or I'm rejecting it. I just,
2: life is busy and I haven't been able to schedule that either. The, the quality of Stargate is a bit mixed, I think, but it does have a number of really good, memorable episodes and certain places in the series where the characters are hitting off each other very well and ended up being extremely uh, entertaining. I, uh, I was watching
0: a YouTube channel last week who, their specialty, uh, it's called Space Doc, um, and their specialty is science fiction. Uh, vessels, ships from science fiction shows. Uh, They do very fascinating videos talking about uh, a breakdown of what classes of ship there are, what capabilities they have, dissecting any uh, particular specific ships from shows, things like that. Well, one of the videos I watched was about uh, Stargate. Um, I believe it was the original one. And the person was mentioning that they've got a ship at some point during the series. But The great thing about the show is that you could look at any random picture of the decks or the bridge of the ship, and you could say, all right, um, this particular piece of equipment they discovered in this show and that's why it's useful and part of the bridge of the ship that particular metal that this is made of they discovered in this other show and the entire ship is a cumulative accumulation a product of the accumulation of technology from various worlds they've reached through the stargate that the uh, you know the earthlings have managed to put together and it's a, almost a history of the show they have very good continuity with that I don't know that that is the case, but that's what this YouTube uh, channel, uh, Moogle, this YouTube channel uh, broadcaster seemed to think. And I thought that was fascinating. I think that's a brilliant way just to to put together a series well, to show I'm, you the
2: effects of it. I'm a, a bit of an aficionado of old test equipment. This is uh, RF signal generators and, and uh, things like that that are archaic. <laughs> that, you know, using vacuum tubes and cathode ray tubes and displays and so forth. And I was really, uh, I got a tickle out of watching Stargate because at least I think with Stargate Atlantis, whoever was doing their set design would recycle some of the same archaic uh, 30 or 40 year old pieces of Hewlett Packard RF test equipment over and over and over again with you know, slightly different configurations on various alien worlds. It was uh, uh, a bit of unintentional humor uh, in the series. Um, so, like I said, I, I don't have anything against the series.
0: I just haven't had the time to watch it. Uh, but I've heard very good things about it. And, uh, you know, if the, it sounds interesting to the audience, apparently it's on, or at least Target Atlantis, it's on uh, Amazon Prime Video. So, yeah, Amazon Prime, you get it for free. Um all right, let, uh, let's jump in to your book. It's the third of a
2: series. Yeah, The, the Brave and the Bold is the third book in my uh, Hidden Truth series. I, I can go into my lengthy monologue describing the, the series if you'd like me to.
0: Now, I, here's the interesting thing. I think the last time you were on the show, you were talking about this, that we're going... Um, into developing the next series and the first
2: book in the series hadn't even come out yet. No, I, th- I think the first book had, and the second book had come out a year ago. Uh, I'm on the book a year plan and I'm not quite managing that. It's ending up being about 15 months or so um, between releases. But my books are set in an overarching Universe. It's uh, a mix of secret history and alternate history up until the, uh, the, the branch point where it turns into alternate history is when Gore defeats Bush in Florida, winning the 2000 election. But then the 9-11 terrorists attack the White House and the Capitol, and we end up with President Lieberman. Uh, But up before that branch point, it's effectively the same history as our own. But over the course of my books, we discover that there is a secret cabal behind the scenes, pulling the strings, trying to consolidate power and uh, reshape civilization to make uh, the world more easily ruled. And that that secret history uh, really motivates the series because my my hero, uh, a high school student in the first book, discovers some subtle clues to the secret history and to physics discoveries that have been suppressed. And uh, that leads him into contact with the evil conspiracy. In the second book, the hero and his friend go off for their freshman year at Georgia Tech and have to fight the uh, conspiracy's attempt to implement a social justice convergence on their college campus. And now in the third book, uh, The Brave and the Bold, the summer after uh, my hero's freshman year, uh, they're off to infiltrate the cabal's uh, summer meeting On Jekyll Island, Georgia, which has a uh, historical significance as the location where the group of bankers met to plot and plan out the implementation of the Federal Reserve System. So there, uh, my heroes are trying to infiltrate this meeting of the cabal to stop the cabal's evil scheme to uh, initiate a, a Middle East war in Iraq, which had not happened on that timeline yet. And then the uh, G8 summit is uh, immediately following, and they're, they're trying to get in and uh, thwart the cabal's evil schemes to, to take over the world.
1: I like it. I, I'm, honestly, it, it, it's one of those things where it's starting to sound just like reality.
2: <laughs> it, it, reality has converged amazingly well to uh uh my story i started off in book one where the cabal was using these phony fbi agents who were in on the cabal and doing the cabal's evil bidding and uh uh eliminating people who were getting too close to the uh uh the secrets and uh you know it it's it's worked out very nicely in fact i i made the tagline for book three uh where we go one we go all uh, because there's uh, uh, kind of a shout out to the whole Q conspiracy where my heroes and their allies are working in parallel with the uh, Q conspiracy in this alternate universe to try to change the course of history.
1: I, I, I love it. It's, it. it's one of those things where, I, I guess, maybe it's just current year. Uh, politics and 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 the way the way the america's working right now it's fascinating to find out that the the conspiracy theories you you know read about and saw on t v aren't exactly true, but there are weird things there there are weird and strange people and forces pulling strings
2: oh a- absolutely one of the uh uh gimmicks that I use in my writing. Is when I'm introducing a conspiracy, the stranger and more outlandish the factoid I drop into my book, the more likely it is to be the honest to goodness truth. So <laughs> a lot, a lot of my fans uh, uh, have a bit of. Uh, uh, you know, discombobulation when they start googling some of the strange things that happen in my book and realize that all that stuff that I'm talking about really happened. That's cool. Like, for instance, in in my book, uh, the uh, uh, bad guys are talking about how they used to exert control over the uh, elites through uh, blackmail and uh, coercion. And one of the techniques that they used is all of the students attending Ivy League schools were forced to submit to a nude photograph uh, as a part of a, a supposed study of posture and scoliosis. And it turns out all that really did happen, and you know, for about thirty years or so, anyone who attended an Ivy League school, there's a there was a nude photograph taken of them. And in my book, the uh, uh, evil conspiracy was using that to blackmail, uh, you know, certain people who are very sensitive to those kinds of uh, uh, disclosures. You know, nowadays, of course, uh, they're using much more sophisticated electronic surveillance methods to implement their blackmail.
1: That's interesting that that they'd actually do that. And and am I the only listener who immediately checked his posture and straightened up when you started talking about that? <laughs> Didn't, They're watching all... you now. <laughs> um, hey, uh, actually we've got some some great comments from the chat. John Mollison says he's already halfway through Brave and the Bold. He says he's loving it. It's light on action, but the in-jokes are tickling his funny bone.
2: Yeah, you'll find a lot of uh, hidden references to things like the QAnon uh, movement and uh, you know, various uh, uh, conservative figures and, and publications. And uh, uh, a lot of real-world people make appearances in uh, the book. Of course, uh, the copyright disclaimer in an entirely fictional way Uh, particularly the ones who are still alive, where I have to be very careful.
0: Hmm. Uh, Let me ask a question as far as writing a book with alternate history in it. Even if uh, I have heard, and I understand the point of this, I mean, understand where the person's coming from, that as you're writing alternate history, the accumulation of differences uh, as a series goes on places a greater and greater burden on the audience to keep up with how this world is different from our world. Uh, Notwithstanding the convergence of the two recently alluded to on this very show, um, as an author, how do you deal with that? Is there a lot of things that you need people to keep in mind or?
2: Well, it's actually, uh, there is a bit of that and that does pose something of a challenge, but, really what I'm doing is retelling the events of uh, our own timeline from the perspective of this alternate timeline in which the, uh, you know, my hero and his opponents are dueling with each other. Uh, You know, for instance, there's a, a mention of the, uh, the scheme that is underway among the evil cabal to uh, uh, loot the economy using—I uh, forget—I think I called it the toxic assets, toxic uh, assets uh, requisition plan. But they'll come up with a better name for that when they actually spring it on the public. So I'm I'm using things like the real you know financial collapse that uh, took place in our timeline as being elements of the the fictional universe in in my stories. So there is a great deal of linkage between the current events and events of the last uh, you know ten years or so. My my book is set in an alternate. Uh, Ah, uh, the brave and the bold is set in an alternate two thousand six, so the uh, the housing crisis and collapse is is the bubble is just coming to a head, and the evil conspiracy is talking about how they're using this to their uh, advantage.
0: Um, when you're looking at extrapolating things, there's a lot of people, and it happened to. I understand where they're coming from and it can make for an interesting novel but I I don't think that if you're concentrating on this that you're concentrating on the most important parts of a novel and I'm about to say what that is if you are writing an alternate history novel and your your goal in creating your alternate history is to rigidly extrapolate all consequences of a change you may produce an, a, a, an interesting novel or, but you're ignoring the most important parts should be, which is the story. Um, and I'm not saying you personally are doing that. Uh, I uh, it, it sounds like you're not because what you're doing is you're taking real world events and you're using them for dramatic impact and to make the story better and to uh, improve the narrative and things like that to make it more interesting. So uh, have you at all looked at like the several different I don't know, schools of thought as far as they call them allo-historical novels uh, are concerned? Or did, you, did you just say, hey, you know what, forget it. I'm writing something I think is cool. I'm going to run with that.
2: Well, honestly, the latter. I mean, what I did was on the first page of you know my first book, The Hidden Truth, uh, we learn that uh, uh, you know President Gore was was killed by the 9/11 hijackers and President Lieberman uh, took charge and spoke to the nation and you know and that's really it and then that's pretty much the end of the alternate history in book one. I just wanted to set it up in an alternate history universe because the kinds of events that my hero is involved in are of course completely, inconsistent with what really happened in that time period and you know, the things that are happening particularly as you get into the the second and uh, certainly into the third book are so wildly at divergence with real current events it just made more sense to uh, adopt the, uh, the 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 you know, fictional ploy of using this alternate history setting in which I could change the events around and, you know, no one can take issue with them because, Hey, it's my universe. And if I want to have president Lieberman choose, uh, Senator McCain as his running mate, I can do that. And, and no one can stop me.
0: <laughs> um, I think that in general, speculative fiction authors, um, tend to get lost in the, uh, intellectual aspects of things and tend to forget um, writing a story that has a visceral impact. They they focus on all the wrong things to make great stories that have a visceral impact. I think an obsession with that has really damaged uh, public perception of the genre for the long, you know, 80 years or so. But um, I'm really glad because the way you did it um, is... I think the way that you should be done, you need to focus on writing a great story with great characters that are colorful people first. Um, the interesting characters, characters that the audience can be drawn in for and care about and stuff. Uh, but that's, the area. I'm, I'm, I don't want to get off and do a ramble here. Uh, I'm going to instead pause and uh, beat my fellow host over the head until I
1: ask you a question oh no yeah uh, I, that really happened I, I did i i don't have a question but i do have a thought I, I i appreciate the way you went at the alternate history uh not just because you have the freedom to pretty much do whatever you want but uh, here's a here's a thought experiment let's say that you're always writing your series in the present day which is fun and it's common if, if you want to continue to write your series in the present day, every few years you would need to update the world to fit what the current events are. And uh, on, on the other hand, you want the events of your story to change the world, especially in a setting such as yours, where you're you're actually dealing right. with the forces that that change history. So you have to make that decision, and you have no choice but to but to diverge. Um oh, I-
2: Absolutely. And in fact, that's specifically why my story is not set in the present day. It's set, well, the, the first book was set in like 2004, 2005. The uh, uh, second book was the 2005, 2006 academic year. And the third book is the summer of 2006. And I, I choose that time setting because it's not too far in the past, you know. Most of my readers are going to have some recollection of the events, so it, it's not going to be anything foreign or strange to them. If I'm, I'm, uh, you know, talking about, uh, you know, Al Gore and and Lieberman and and so forth. But uh, at the same time, we have the benefit of uh, hindsight. You know, I can talk about how, oh, we're plotting in a couple of years to have this bubble collapse and uh, have a, a huge government bailout that will enrich the uh, evil conspiracy. And, of course, we know from our perspective on our timeline, something very much like that uh, actually happened. And I think it, it adds to the, uh, the interest and the realism of what's ultimately a fictional story when I can uh, you create kind of a, a secret history of our own times, uh, but set in this alternate universe where the rules are a lot looser and freer on how my characters can go about it. And in particular, how my characters can make fundamental decisive changes in world events uh, to uh, you know, make things better and you know, defeat the the evil conspiracy, or at least thwart the evil conspiracy's plans.
1: So here's, here, here's my follow-up question then, because I, I love it all. Do you plan on uh, because in our wacky timeline, we have one particular individual uh who who may be defeating the evil conspiracies if they exist. Do you plan on incorporating uh, our current president into your timeline?
2: i I really haven't decided yet because you know in in my timeline, uh actually my my heroes are going to be, uh, instrumental in uh, eliminating one of the primary uh, – I- in book three, it's kind of alluded to, but my hero's actions end up uh, you know, ending the career of a very prominent uh, democratic uh, uh, politician. Um, in another book or two, we'll be getting to the 2008 election – And I was planning on making that kind of an accelerated version of what happened in 2016. And I hadn't decided whether I would introduce Donald Trump as a character, where, of course, it would be, you know, I'd, I'd be much more tightly constrained. I've been considering using Aaron Rousseau as a presidential candidate. Now, Rousseau was uh, uh, going to run for the governor of Nevada, but ended up dying of cancer, which is a fate that happens to the uh, uh, opponents of the cabal end up dying early, uh, young of mysterious ailments uh, if they are thwarting the cabal or standing in the cabal's way. So I thought using Aaron Rousseau as kind of a political stand-in for uh, a Donald Trump-like figure, would probably uh, be a good alternative. But I, I really haven't decided if uh, uh, Donald Trump is going to run for president in 2008 in my fictional universe, or if the uh, the political hero will be uh, someone like uh, Aaron Rousseau.
1: Yeah, that, There's that, some might real- be, that might be wise to use a stand-in just uh, just to avoid the whole the whole possible controversy. He can. He- Donald Trump can remain just, just a real estate mogul and reality TV star in your uh, alternate universe.
2: Well, I'm, I'm actually working. Uh, I was invited by uh, Daniel Humphreys, who is the author of the, the Z-Day uh, zombie apocalypse series that I, I, I'm not normally into horror and, and uh, zombies, but he, he's such a good writer that he really drags me into his stories. He invited me to contribute a, uh, uh, a, a story to his uh, uh, a, a short story collection set in his universe. And I'm planning on having it set in my timelines, uh, you know, future of of, of 2018 which is when he has his story set and have my characters marveling at uh uh you'll you'll never believe who's president on this strange timeline it's donald trump and having a good laugh uh, (laughs) about that that uh, completely improbable and unrealistic uh sequence of events you know with uh if you look at enough timelines even something as crazy as that will eventually come up. And by the way, did you know, the Cubs actually won the World Series. So you I'm, know that's a screwed up timeline.
1: I was just about to say the exact same thing. So can, I'm, I'm, look, we I'm are, looking forward sorry, to that story. This is the strangest timeline ever. Well, and it's then, of course, everyone,
2: the there's going to be a zombie apocalypse in it. So you know it's a strange, a really strange timeline. Wow. It, yep. it, it, uh, I, I, caught, I caught a continuity error in, in his book. Uh, that I don't think he had realized was there uh, because he specifically had mentioned that the Cubs did not win the, uh, uh, the world series. So that that's actually going to give me a divergence point between our own timeline and the zombie apocalypse timeline of uh, uh, his fictional universe. So uh, one of the premises of my uh, alternate history series is that there is a technology that will allow you to communicate and even uh, interact with and travel to these alternate parallel timeline universes. Uh, I haven't introduced that yet, but my, my characters are working on the fundamentals of it. I wanted to make sure I had uh, the core timeline that my stories are set in uh, well-developed and, and well-fleshed out and stable before you are ripping it to shreds with, well, let's go to this universe where something different happened.
0: Yeah, when you're dealing with uh, multiple cross universes in a a piece of work, um, it's kind of difficult to get the audience to come along with you and remember what each of those is. Uh, Sliders got out of it by just, you know, not caring. They just went to a new one every episode and they really, for the most part, never, ever went back. So they didn't have to care, but... Uh, and, and I guess with one short story, um, it doesn't necessarily signify much either. But uh, a, on a continuing basis to, um, you know, to, to establish it, it's hard enough to establish characters that the audience mm-hmm. can keep uh, in their minds as being very distinct from each other, let alone trying to do it with uh, uh, entire universes.
2: Oh, absolutely. And it, it it's extremely dangerous as an author to start playing that multiple timeline game because then you kind of lose connection with well what reality are we in and what what are the fundamentals of this fictional universe i mean it's tough enough to create a credible fictional universe that will drag your reader in and you'll make them comfortable and make them feel the story is well grounded so that then they can just focus on the events and the characters and the actions if you're doing that and then you're jumping uh, Half-hazardly into all kinds of different multiple universes where the rules are different, then it, it it really is tough to carry your reader along with that. And you'll notice that some of the most effective uses of that technique uh, are where. the the story is focused on a principal timeline and just has an occasional diversion into this, you know, what if mirror universe, I mean, Star Trek is the prime example, you know, in the original series, they had the one episode where you got to go to the mirror universe and see evil Spock with a beard and look at some of the consequences of, you know, what if our heroes, instead of being paragons of virtue, were, were paragons of vice and uh, you know what interesting uh, you know, storytelling opportunities came out of that. But if, if that was every episode, it would lose its impact. And instead of being a particularly creative and engaging storytelling concept, it would just rip the whole fictional universe apart and lose the reader's interest.
0: Um, one of the things I found is difficult if you're, if you have a, Is is I mean, and again, it ties into my earlier question: is um, having enough details of an alternate history to keep the audience enthralled or or, or up to speed on what's happening and why? And then, uh, you know, every time you add a new universe, that just compounds the difficulty. So it's very definitely a, a very fine line to walk.
2: Oh, absolutely, and you know, even though ultimately I'm planning on going that way in my series. I mean, I'm, I still am not comfortable I have my fictional universe well enough grounded to be able to, you know, survive that kind of storytelling tension is, you know, by starting to jump around alternatives to my fictional universe. So I'm, I'm taking a go slow approach to it and making sure my prime fictional universe is well developed over uh, several books before I start introducing that uh, additional element to it.
0: Now I've uh, I've actually read um, both of the two Z-Day novels that are currently uh, out, um, and it is uh, it's kind of interesting uh, about how he went about doing it and some of the things that happened, especially in book two. I'm being I'm being super vague because it's really difficult to discuss any of that without giving away some spoilers. But if right. you're at all, like the, uh, it's called the Paxton lock series. Um, L O C K E uh, by Daniel Humphreys. I've read uh, two of the books, uh both of the books in that, in that series so far. And so uh, I've enjoyed, uh, Oh, I'm sorry. Paxton lock is his urban fantasy series. My bad. Right. Z day, the Z day series. I've actually read, the first, uh, Paxton Law, to the second one last week, but haven't had a chance to read it because life is really, really busy right now. I think there's a thing coming out through this. But um, if you do have a chance, if you want to uh, check it out, um, uh, A Place Outside the Wild is the first one, and A Place Called Hope is the second one. and They're both, uh, they're both good books. I've enjoyed both of them.
2: Oh, I, I agree completely. And in fact, uh, I've had the uh, uh, the honor and privilege of being asked to read uh, his third book. And other than the fact that uh, there's an evil uh, nanotechnology scientist named Dr. Shantz in it, who uh, uh, <laughs> d- doesn't, well, I don't want to give a spoiler, but uh, uh, let, let, let's just say there there is also an uh, IT specialist named Daniel Humphreys in uh, book three of uh, the Brave and the Bold. So we're we're dueling with each other's red shirt characters in our our relative fictional universes.
0: That's great. Now um, we're getting on towards the end of the show, um, and as we start to wind things down, I had another question, and I don't know if you can talk about this yet. Um, uh Can you talk about this yet, if you know what I'm talking about?
2: Um, Oh, I I think I can. Officially, um, I I have a physics paper which will be coming out on Monday uh, in the philosophical transactions of the the Royal Society of London, and it's all about a, a different perspective, a different way of looking at electricity and magnetism. Uh, it's a way that I think is more intuitive than the more mathematical traditional treatments. And I think it shows how classical electromagnetics naturally leads to the uh, a pilot wave interpretation or model of quantum mechanics, which of course has a lot of potential to resolve uh, a lot of the ambiguities and contradictions that people ascribe to quantum mechanics, and in fact, uh, I uh, you know the, 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 I've been working on these electromagnetic ideas pretty much all of my my career, from my doctoral dissertation through applying some of these ideas to how do you design ultra wideband antennas, and uh, more recently, how can you take an understanding of how electricity and magnetism work and use it to make uh, near field wireless links, radio links that use very low frequencies or very long wavelengths and accomplish things that you just can't do with conventional wireless techniques. But uh, yeah, I I finally have all those ideas pretty well uh, pinned down in a unified whole coming out in that uh, uh, paper. So they'll probably be Uh, you know, some uh, uh, additional press information coming out on those discoveries in the next week or so. But uh, from the fictional point of view, I had, uh, I, I still have difficulty understanding why the ideas that I've stumbled across weren't identified 100 years ago by people like You know, Heaviside and uh, Heinrich Hertz and Oliver Lodge and their contemporaries. And that was a big motivation in writing The Hidden Truth, to put those ideas into a fictional setting where, well, if they didn't come out, it must be because some evil conspiracy is trying to suppress them, is trying to throttle the advance of science and technology and why would they be wanting to do that well because they want to maintain control and take over the world and that was a a bit of the the premise behind the fictional universe in which i ended up setting my stories and my hero's introduction to it is in discovering uh obscure references in old physics books that present this idea that then had been suppressed by the the evil cabal so that's the idea that ultimately inspired me to write develop my fictional universe and write my my science fiction
1: that's that's wonderful first of all congratulations on getting that all wrapped up and put together i'm really excited to hear about that
0: um that's a big coup getting a a paperly at uh um we'll make enough waves that uh you know, if it pr- proves to be a useful model in describing fundamental physical forces of the universe, um, it'd be interesting to see how that uh, reverberates around the physics community. Uh, well, it, is it, it's it's gonna
1: be,
2: yeah, fun? yeah. yeah, I just, yeah. A- well, um, it, it's gonna be kind of interesting because, you know, conventionally, uh, the physics is done in a very mathematical perspective. And, you know, there, there's a mathematical element to what I've done, but it really isn't anything that is beyond or contradicts the, the classical Maxwellian picture of electricity and magnetism. It's just taking the math and associating a different physical picture with it, uh, uh, what I think is a simpler, more intuitive uh, physical picture with uh, how things work to give a basis for having a, a clear mental image of uh, you know what fields are doing and how they're interacting and how they're carrying energy from uh, uh, place to place. so and, and that isn't the usual kind of uh, physics advance that uh, you, you'd typically read about. So it, it will be very interesting to see how, how uh, well it's received.
0: Well, um, before we kick off,
1: You got, you got chopped up there for a second, D-Dub. Oh, I'm, I'm asking if, he has,
0: if you guys have any last thoughts before we kick off.
1: You first. Hey, uh, actually, I'm really excited to hear about this, uh, about your paper. Are you going to send us uh, links and everything so we can read that up later?
2: Yes, I, I uh, have been talking with uh, one reporter who I understand is working on a uh, article on it. I don't know the details of that, so I'm not, not sure if and when that's, that's coming out. But I will certainly be uh, talking about it and on my, my Twitter feed, and I'll make a point of uh, uh, you know, sending you guys some more information. And you know, if, if you're interested, I'd be happy to come on some other time and talk about it further.
1: Cool. Any last thoughts, Dornell? Well, uh, thanks for coming on and chatting with us. It's was really uh, fun and interesting to hear about your alternate history. Um, and as usual, thanks to everybody in the chat hanging out with us live and, uh, and talking with uh, us and the guests.
2: Well, thank you all uh, very much for having me on. It's always a pleasure. I like uh, watching Geek Gabs, even though I don't normally a chance to participate in them live. Uh, I do uh, tend to watch them on, on YouTube. You, you guys always have an interesting collection of uh, guests, and I'm honored and delighted that uh, uh, you let me on your show.
0: All right. Thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for the audience listening, and uh, apparently I'm breaking up, so I'll make this very, very quick. Uh, this is Geek Gab. We're here just about every Saturday, just about this time. Uh, listen to us live on YouTube. We are letting you go for today, but don't you worry, don't you fret,
1: we will be back.